Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans? We're just going to read one passage in Romans. And then we're going to um, consider the idea of the intercessor. The message is entitled, How to Pray When You Can't. How to Pray When You Can't. Romans 8, 26. A very familiar portion of scripture. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for. I like this. This version is nice, but there are other versions that says, for we do not know how we should pray as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Now, for us as Christians, one of our chief responsibilities is to be intercessors. It's not just a responsibility, it's who we are. We care for people. We want to make a difference in people's lives. But the longer we experience life, the more we recognize the significant difficulties and the sometimes insurmountable circumstances of our generation, things that seem almost impossible. When you consider what goes on in our city, when you consider some of the things that are going on even today, we have to remind ourselves that the things that we are praying for as we intercede for this city or as we intercede for friends and loved ones, sometimes it becomes overwhelming. And there are times when the person whose responsibility it is to intercede needs an intercessor. Right? Now, the term intercede just means to intervene, to get in the way. And a big part of our responsibility as Christian people is to get in the way. Get in the way of what the enemy is trying to do in this generation. A lot of the things that we see going on around us, according to the enemy's plan, should have gone on unchallenged, unabated. But God chose to set up a community of believers right in the midst of Times Square. <laughs> Hallelujah. All the other things that we're seeing, those things are flowing with the natural flow. What we're doing is something supernatural. I'm not shocked by the things that are going on out there, but the enemy is surprised by what's going on in here. The enemy is shocked by what's going on in here. Because we have been called to get in the way. But every now and again, when we get in the way, we do deal with hardships. We deal with difficulties. We feel overwhelmed. We look at the circumstances and it seems insurmountable. It seems impossible. But at times like that, we recognize that there is an intercessor who intercedes for the intercessor. There is the Holy Spirit 
who intercedes on the behalf of those people who are interceding on the behalf of other people. And when we get to a point where our intercession is no longer enough, when we realize that we can't pray anymore, when we've given it everything that we have and it seems like it's just getting worse and worse, it's at times like that when we can't pray anymore that the Holy Spirit comes with an extra portion of grace. We heard throughout the entire service today songs about grace and about grace and about grace and about the Holy Spirit. There comes a time when the Holy Spirit comes with an extra portion of grace that allows the intercessor to continue in our responsibility. So ultimately what we see in this text is when we get to a point where we can't pray the way we ought to, when we don't know how to pray anymore, when we don't know how to put words to it anymore, when we sometimes can't put feelings behind it anymore, when we sometimes are so overwhelmed that we can't even put thought into it anymore. It's at times like that that the Holy Spirit comes to us and he begins to get in the way of all those things that are trying to get in our way. And he begins to remind us of a particular reality. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. Hallelujah. Now that word standard just means a flag. It just means that the Lord will remind us of what we are ultimately about. The Bible calls the Lord our flag, the Lord, the Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our flag, right? And basically what it means is that at a certain point when we are overwhelmed with the circumstances, with the situation, the things that we're praying for, or when we are reminded of our own weaknesses and how we are getting tired and how we're sometimes growing weary and well-doing, the Lord raises up this one standard, this one flag, this one reminder, this one emblem, and says, look here. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The work of the Son is to glorify the Father, to bear witness to the Father, to reveal the Father. And the work of the Spirit is to do the same to the Son. The work of the Spirit is to cause us to look to Jesus, to look to the banner, to look to the standard, to look to the cross. The work of the Spirit is to say, don't be overwhelmed with the circumstance. Don't be overcome by your own weaknesses. Don't be drawn in to the rhetoric of this generation. But remember the Lord. Look to God. Look to who he is. Remind yourself of who he is. And the Holy Spirit begins to draw a picture of Christ in our vision again. Reminding us that it's not about the bigness of the problem. And it's not about the smallness of ourselves. It is about the glory of God. It is about the power of God. It is about the name of God. And so what the Spirit tries to do is he begins to remind us of things about Jesus. For instance, he comes to us and says, I know the difficulties are real. 
And I know sometimes you feel like you don't have enough in you to ask for the kinds of miracles that are necessary for the kind of change that must happen. There are some times when we want to pray down miracles from heaven and then we look at our own lives and we say, but who am I to ask for this or to ask for that when I still seem to have this issue or that issue or the other issue? Well, first and foremost, don't get caught up with the situation. Don't get caught up with yourself. Remember Christ. And the Spirit would say to us, remember that when we pray, we don't pray based upon our own merits. We pray based upon the merit of Christ. In other words, we pray because Christ has earned it. We pray for miracles because Christ has earned it. We pray for victory because Christ has earned it. We pray for great things because Christ has earned it. If you and I are waiting for our own resume to suggest that we've earned anything, we're going to be waiting for a long time. And we are not going to be praying for anything great. But when we remind ourselves of what Christ has done, and we remind ourselves that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are joint heirs with Christ, we remind ourselves of that scripture that says, of his fullness we have received one grace upon another grace. When we remind ourselves that we pray based on what Christ has earned on Calvary's tree, then we can pray for anything. We can believe for anything. We're not praying based on our own merit. We're praying based upon the merit of Christ. So likewise, we're not praying, God, do this thing because somehow or another it is just or that it is the right thing to do. Even though we know God is right and God is just, we look at our society and we can't really look at it and say, God, save this society because it's the right thing to do. Even though God is right and God is just, we have to go beyond that and say, God, according to your manifold mercies, save this generation. Because if justice alone prevailed, none of us would survive. So we say, God, according to your merit, and God, according to your mercies. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. And sometimes we look at the circumstances of life, and it seems like every morning something else happens. Every morning something else is coming down the pike. Every morning, something else is challenging us. And then we remind ourselves, at the same time, God's mercies are new. Every morning. New every morning. I don't care what they say on the news. God's mercies are new every morning. I don't care how it is. You wake up in the morning and you hear some news report and you say, I can't believe it could actually get worse than it was yesterday. And not only that, but it can also get better than it was because God's mercies are new every morning and we pray according to the mercy of God. And that's what the Spirit is trying to get us to do. To remind ourselves of who Jesus is. Pray according to his means. In other words, pray according to his riches, according to his wealth, according to his provision, 
according to his prosperity, not the prosperity that you hear about on television and that kind of a thing, but the prosperity that suggests that everything that needs to be done in this generation, everything that needs to be done in this time, still falls under the canopy of God's prosperity, of God's provision. When we pray, we are not praying to a God who is bankrupt. When we pray, we're not praying to a God who spent all of his money 2,000 years ago and has nothing left. <laughs> we're not praying along with the cessationists that say basically God did all of his miracles back then. Ran out of miracles and now we're on our own. No, the God that we serve still has plenty of power. Hallelujah. Still has plenty of provision. Still has plenty of prosperity. He still knows how to feed the hungry. He still knows how to take care of the needy. He still knows how to pay your rent and how to pay mine. Hallelujah. And so we pray according to his means. The Bible says all authority is given to Christ. He has everything that he needs. And so we fix our gaze upon him. We put our eyes on that banner. We allow the Holy Spirit to get in the way of the things that are getting in our way as we try to get into the way of the enemy. So that we can do what God has called us to do. We pray according to his manifest presence. There's something about that passage of scripture that says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Always, until the end of the age. Jesus is not a fair weather friend. In other words, he's not the kind of person that says, man, it's getting rough in here, I'm out. <laughs> until the end of the age. Right? It doesn't matter what is going on. Doesn't matter what's in the news. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at what point in the age we happen to be. It doesn't matter if the whole thing seems like it's about to blow up. Jesus made a promise. And for you and for me, that's all that matters. Jesus gave his word, and God cannot lie. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, Lo, I am with you until the end of the age, and I believe that. Until the days run out on the calendar, Jesus is with us. Until that final day on this side of eternity, the Lord is manifestly with us. Heaven is still his throne, but earth is his footstool. He's still here by the power of the Spirit. He's still here. He's still God. He's still mighty, still powerful, still glorious, still wonderful. Still Jesus. Nothing has changed. Just as Jesus as ever. 
Hallelujah! Glory to God. Glory to God. To the end of the age. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of his miraculous power. The God that we serve still does miracles. He still raises the dead. He still heals the sick. He still gives sight to the blind. He still gives hearing to the deaf. He still does wonderful things. There are things that he's going to do on this side of eternity, things he's going to do on that side of eternity. That should be left to his discretion. He's still God. But he's still doing wonderful things. He's still doing miracles. I'm still praying for miracles. I'm still believing for miracles. When I first started this walk a long time ago, people might have said to me, you know, it's a little irrational. Maybe, maybe it's a little crazy to believe in miracles. And I might have given them a billionth of a second of my time. But after 30 years in this kind of ministry, doing this kind of thing and seeing what I've seen, I would be insane to not believe in miracles. I would have, literally, I would have to have lost my mind I would literally have to forget 30 years of my life just like that in order to not believe in the miraculous power of God because I've seen too much. I've seen too many lives changed. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen stuff that we read about in the holy text of scripture and I'm not ashamed to acknowledge that I believe in the God of miracles. I believe in God today. Hallelujah. 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 Give glory to God. This is the God that we serve. The God that we believe. The God that we love. He hasn't changed. He hasn't left. He's just as God as he ever was. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Recognize when you pray, allow the Holy Spirit to cause you to know the mind of God. Remember the Lord said, I don't just call you servants. I call you friends. Because you know what I do. You know why I'm doing what I'm doing. You understand my motives. You understand my meaning. You know why God does what he does at the rate that he does and at the pace that he does. You might not understand everything like we just said earlier in our prayer, right? There's, there's things that God is doing in our lives that we could never even calculate. But we know enough. We know how God works. We have that holy book. We have the Holy Spirit. We have each other to encourage one another. We have the mind of Christ according to the Holy Scriptures. And so sometimes instead of looking at the issues and the difficulties and so on, or looking at our own selves and our own weaknesses, and we just, we just look at the Lord and allow him to communicate his mind to us. His calm to us, his peace to us.
his love to us, his compassion to us, to remind us that he still has everything under control, that God has everything under control. And to understand that and to be able to rejoice in it, awesome. You want to check the time? <laughs> I got a lot of points, and I just, I just hit them real quickly. When we pray, we pray also according to a knowledge of God's moral standard. That is, God is good. In, in some um, philosophical disciplines, they have this concept of what they call the best possible world. And basically what that means is that given everything that's involved, the fall of humankind, things like that, even though our situation sometimes seems very difficult, it is the best possible scenario that God can work in when he's engaging people who have a free will. And he's dealing with not just saints, but he's also having to incorporate, you know, his dealings with people who rebel against him and so on and so forth. And so then we look at this world and we say, shouldn't God do this, that, and the other thing? Now, there is wisdom that says, yes, this can change, this can change, that can change, the other thing can change. But with those kinds of changes, there's also going to be challenges, difficulties, hardships. When we go on the attack, there's going to be a counterattack and so on and so forth. We recognize that. But we also recognize that this is the best possible scenario on this side of eternity, given the fall of humankind. So we should never question whether or not God is good. Because that is the nature of the fall of humankind. The enemy comes. And basically says, shouldn't you discern for yourself what's good and what's not? Now, it's an old expression called the elephant in the room, right? The elephant in the room is that one thing that is the most important thing of all. So when the enemy comes and says, shouldn't you be able to discern for yourself what's good and what's not? He's not talking about the tree. He couldn't care less about the tree. He's talking about the one who told him not to eat from the tree. That's why he said, you can't trust him. He's not good. So basically, he's asking Adam and Eve to discern whether or not God is good. That was the nature of the fall. They decided that God is not good. And they fell. How did God save them? He saved them by calling to them as they ran. Basically, what he was saying was, listen, I know you blew it. But do you trust me now? Will you stop running from me? The Bible said that at first they hid under the fig trees and the fig leaves and this and the other. Now they have to hide under the cover of darkness, right? And when Jesus said, this is the condemnation, that men love darkness rather than light. So they're about to hide. Remember, the Bible says the sun is going down and God is calling to them again and again. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? He's asking them. Do you trust me, yes or no? Is God good, yes or no? I know an answer you gave a little while ago. You had time to think it over. 
<laughs> is God good? Yes or no? Do you realize that that is the only question you ever have to answer in this life? Ultimately? If you're worried, if you're struggling, if you're fearful, if you're doubtful, is God good? Yes or no? I know it seems like an oversimplification, but it's a question I ask myself when I feel like I've got a million questions. And, and all of a sudden, the intercessor just comes and he points me to God and says, is he good? Yes or no? He, he, he points me not to, the, not to the tree in the midst of the garden, but, but now to, to Calvary's tree. He shows me what Jesus did for me, what he did for you, what he did for all of us. He points him out in that sense. Of course, he only died once for all. He's not still on the cross, but you understand my point. And he says, is he good? Yes or no? That's that standard. Right? That's that banner. That's that flag. Is he good? Yes or no? Right? And when you and I are digging in our pocket looking for that, that rent check or whatever the case might be, right? Is, is he good? Yes or no? Is he provided? Yes or no? See? And all we have to do is say yes. And then, we, 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 then we begin to branch out and we begin to pray for other people. We begin to pray for the needs of the needy. We begin to pray for that lost loved one and so on and so forth. And the question is the same. Is God good? Yes or no? And all we have to do is say yes. But that's the Spirit's job. To help us to say yes. To help us to say amen. To help us to cry, Abba, Father. To help us to say as it goes on, right? All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. It's right under that text that we read. Right? When you look at it that way, it's really simple, isn't it? It's not a very complicated book, but it goes so deep to the, spiritually speaking, to the atomic level of who we are. And it really just asks us to say what we were born to say, what we were created to say. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Oh, it sounds good to say it. It feels good to say it. Oh, we breathe it out. It's life. It's peace. It's health. It's strength. God is good. When you and I lock into that, there's nothing the enemy can do. Nothing the enemy can do. Nothing the enemy can do. The only thing the enemy has is this lie about God. That's it. That's all he has left when it comes out to the Christian. For the lost, he's got a whole lot. He's working with them all the time. He's marring the image of God. He's deprecating the concept of family, deprecating the concept of gender, so on and so forth. Just ripping them apart, ripping them apart, ripping them apart. For us, he's got nothing. And the only thing that he tries to work with is, oh man, if I could just get them to say that God is not good. We're not going to fall for that. Hallelujah. We are not going there. Hallelujah. And it's not because of some inner strength, right? Where we kind of kind of clench our fists and grit our teeth and God is good. I'm telling you, God is good. Right? We're not, we're not, we're not doing that, right? You know, grinding pepper and stuff. No, 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 no. We're allowing the Holy Spirit. Oh, to breathe into our soul. 
and to cause us to breathe in the rarefied air. You know, the Bible, you know, that, that term spirit means air, breath, to breathe in that truth that God is good. So this is basically what we do. Now, this is how the intercessor, the intercessor, intercedes on our behalf. And this is what keeps us interceding on the behalf of others. And so we just want to pray together. And here's how we want to pray. Those of us who choose to take on the heavy responsibility of caring for somebody. And if you're a Christian, that's your choice. Your choice is to take on the heavy responsibility of caring for somebody. And that's a gift of the Spirit too, you know? The Bible says, this is how we know that the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Because we will become his martyrs. And that's what the Bible says in Acts 1-8, right? The Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall be my martyrs, my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us, gives us a desire to lay our lives down for others. And then when we get weary, he comes and gives us new strength new life. So we're filled and then we're filled again and filled again and filled again. So we want to pray. Holy Spirit, fill us. We simply want to say, intercessor, intercede on our behalf. Don't let me grow weary in well-doing. Help me to help somebody. Don't let me give up. I know that there's somebody in this room who has somebody in their heart right now. Sometimes we think in general terms, you know, we think about the people that are marching down the way and this and the other, and sometimes we think in more specific terms. People that we love. There might be somebody that you love that's marching down the way. Somebody in your family, somebody that you care about. And sometimes it gets, it gets a little hard, huh? Tired. Praying for that person in your family or your whole family sometimes or your loved one, your spouse sometimes, your child sometimes, your parents sometimes. And, oh, and then you just need spirit. Breathe, breathe, breathe. And fix my gaze upon Jesus again. Because the circumstance seems too big and sometimes I seem too small, but God, you know. You know. If you want to pray with me this morning on that topic, God, give me that focus again. Give me that fullness again. Strengthen that commission again. Then in a moment, we're going to stand and I'm going to ask you to come to the front of this auditorium. Those of you who are with us online, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. Those of you who are with us in New Jersey, with us in the annex, the officers will instruct you on what needs to be done. But we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Spirit of Jesus to breathe on us. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord.
Every now and again, brothers and sisters, we just need a breather. We just need a breath. We just need to be refocused. We need to be reminded. We need to be recommissioned, if you will. I know I do. If God is speaking to you, you just want to pray here at the front of this auditorium. Then you can begin to come. Sort of term is a wonderful place, and being here sometimes reminds you that you're not alone, that you're part of a family. That whatever you're going through, there's all the people who are going through what they're going through, and we're ready to walk arms, and we're ready to be family. We're able to come together. We're ready to help each other, to strengthen each other. Balcony, we'll wait for you. Take your time. God is moving on your heart. You're as much a part of this congregation, this community as anybody. Come on down. You're visiting. You're just as welcome to come. You're just as welcome to come. This is one family, one body. There might even be somebody here who says, Bro, Will, I'm not even a Christian. I just popped in. But you come on to, if you understand what we were talking about with regard to who Jesus is and what he's done, and you want to put your heart in his hands, your life in his hands, and you come to. And for the most part, this is for Christians who are crying out for men and women who have taken on the burden of caring for other people, who can't see this world go the way it's going and say, oh, well, as long as I'm saved. Now, I know not everybody's going to be able to come to the front. So if you are in your seat and your heart is here, that's awesome too. We're going to pray together as a family. And you keep coming. You keep on coming. We're going to remind each other that we're not alone. I have a word from the Lord as you come. If you feel like you're alone, you just feel like you're alone. You, you, sometimes you can't even explain it. Sometimes you're alone, the, the only Christian in your home, the only Christian in your family, only Christian on your job. Sometimes you, you can't even say that. You say, I know other Christians, but right now, for some reason, I just feel alone. If that word resonates with you right now, I just feel alone. In a big city like this, I just feel alone. But you come to because God is going to remind you that you're not alone. You're not alone. You're part of a family. God loves you. And this family loves you. You're not alone. Don't let the devil isolate you. Don't let him lie to you. You're not alone. Praise the Lord. Glory to his holy name. And I just feel the spirit of the Lord in the midst doing a wonderful thing with us. Through us, the Lord is going to be glorified. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you because we simply need a breath. We need you to breathe life, strength, hope, health. We need you to be glorified in us as you have been, so do. As you have filled us, fill us again. We have been called to make a difference in this generation We've been called to get in the way. 
Lord, we are not on the sidelines. We are not backing down. We will not be turned around. We will not be stopped. Lord, you have called us to get in the way. And we're asking you to keep us in the way. Lord, and in order to do that, we need you to keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't want to be overwhelmed with the circumstances. We don't want to be overwhelmed with the difficulties. And we don't want to be underwhelmed by our own selves, by our own weaknesses and frailties. We want God to be the center of our reality. We want Jesus to be the center of our ministry and of our mission. God, help us to help somebody. Help us to make a difference in this generation. God, give us strength. Intercessor, we need you to intercede on our behalf, to intervene on our behalf, to get in the way of anything that would try and get in our way so that your way might be the only way ultimately. God, we are expecting your way to be glorified. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking that your name be glorified, oh Jesus. Lord, we ask for strength from our brothers and our sisters. Strength, oh God. Strength that comes only from heaven. We ask that your name be glorified in every life. Lord, we also come against any lie that would suggest that any person in this room has got to do anything alone. Lord, there is no one who is alone. Lord, you are with us every day, and we are a part of a glorious community. Hallelujah. 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 And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, any person in this room who's made a decision to put their trust in you, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you seal that decision today, that they walk with you forever, that they recognize that they have a family in Christ, Lord, and that they avail themselves to all of the strength and all of the help that comes with this particular communion. Lord, help us to help this person. Lord, and finally, I pray your hand of blessing upon our brothers and our sisters. And we speak peace. Peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I thank you for this communion. I thank you for this family. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I love them from the depths of my soul. And thank you for the privilege of serving them, Lord. And I just ask that somehow what we do here today resonates as we pour into the streets of this city. So that it can be known that there is another way, there is another voice, there is a power, there is a glory, there is a God that the Lord is still glorious, still gracious, still merciful, and is still reaching out to humankind. Help us to be revival as we pour into the streets of this city and as we go to our respective homes. And Lord, bring us back throughout the course of this day so that your house can be full and that your people can be filled. We thank you and bless you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.